Welcome to another edition of Fizz Radio with Drew Carter. I'm Jonathan Hoppy here on this beautiful Saturday morning in Syracuse. A lot to talk about, Drew. Let's just get right to it. It might be a nice day outside, jokingly, of course. It, yeah, it's I don't not know what great. You're talking about, but there. it's not great for Syracuse basketball, especially now that Howard Washington is out for the season. We learned that after the Georgia Tech game last week. What are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, it's pretty stunning. It's pretty stunning to find out that this guy is not going to play another game. And it might not have mattered all that much, to be quite honest with you, because he was basically playing two to five minutes every game anyway. But it kind of makes it a little bit more real how little depth Syracuse does have. These two guards are going to have to play every single minute of every game. Frank Howard and Tyus Battle will not get a single second of rest, barring Geno Thorpe making his miraculous return. Um, and, and now these guys have no chance to get any type of breather, and when you consider the offensive load they have to carry regardless, if they were playing 30 minutes a night, that would probably be more strenuous than almost anyone else in the ACC is facing. Now they have to play 40 minutes a night with absolutely no reclues. I mean, what is the, what is the option if one of these guys gets in foul trouble? I guess you got to go to uh, the guys on the bench. And I know there are some options. The walk-ons? Yeah, I mean. What, is GMAC going to suit up again? <laughs> they have no one. Yeah, it, it is concerning. And the reason it is for me, think about the beginning of this season. We thought Geno Thorpe and Howard Washington were going to be big players on this team. We really did. And as the season progressed, and then obviously Geno Thorpe left, and now Howard Washington is done for the season, that's no longer the case. And with Matt Moyer going down, and he played against Georgia Tech, so good to see him back. He says he's ready to go. That's good to hear. But there's just a lot of uncertainty for a team right now, Syracuse, that I don't think can withstand that. Right. I completely agree. And another guy we thought was going to be in this backcourt was Quade Green. And he's now at Kentucky uh, coming off the bench for them. But, I mean, obviously you don't get Quade Green, but I think it's, it brings up an interesting point. This this coaching staff recruited him so hard and for so long, and it felt like he was in the bag coming to SU. There were a couple guys where they just gave up recruiting because they thought they had Quade as a lock, and they didn't want, I guess, to to ruffle the feathers, right? Or yeah, sway sway Quade one way or the other because they they really thought this guy was their number one option, and they thought they had him. But now you look at this; they were recruiting a guy like Alvarado from Georgia Tech the other night, who played really well against Syracuse, and they gave up on him because of Quade Green. The guy from Texas, Matt Coleman, lefty point guard, really impressive player, four-star recruit, borderline five-star recruit. Syracuse had a really good chance of getting him, and then they gave up because of Quade Green. This is a bit of speculation, to be quite honest, but when you give up on guys in recruiting, at least that's what we've heard, that's what we've been told, you put yourself in a really tough spot, especially when that guy ends up spurning you, and it was the same thing with Jordan Tucker. I mean, this recruiting class would look totally different if they got those two guys, but they didn't. And maybe it's a different story next year because you do get the two guys you want in Baisley and Carey, but you just have absolutely no depth. The roster isn't great right now, and it wasn't great to begin with, but when you take hits like that, 
Now all of a sudden you're looking at the walk-ons in a real situation in foul trouble. Those guys are going to have to come in. Clearly not the spot that you want to be in. Another guy, too, that transferred ineligible this year, Elijah Hughes. I want to talk about him for a second, Drew, because I'm hearing he's probably one of the best players inside the program. Yeah. And he's sharpening his tools right now. I think he's going to be a big factor going forward for Syracuse, and they showed some pictures of him watching the games, and it's tough that he can't play because, I mean, frankly, anyone with some talent is needed on this team to score the ball, but especially a guy like Elijah Hughes, so that's kind of a slap in the face with the whole transfer rule. Either way, very excited to see him next year. But in terms of this current roster, there's just, I mean, Dolajai, Bay, like, you know, what are you thinking? I, I just, these guys are not going to be able to handle the team and pick them up. Well, it's funny you mentioned the front court because it seems like at this point they have a luxurious amount of depth with those forward positions. You've got Dolajai, you've got Sidibe, you've got Chukwu, you've got Brissett. You've got more. You've got five guys who can play those positions in the zone. But then you move up to the guards, and you've got nothing. It's completely bare bones, and and I just am waiting to see what will happen if one of these guys gets in foul trouble. I know they don't foul a whole lot, but we have seen Howard foul out once already this year. If he fouls out, are you going to make Braden Bayer the point guard? The guy (laughs) is bad at his natural position, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Braden. If he's listening right now, he's better than I am, but he's not an ACC player, and he's not fooling anybody. And, by the way, the thing about the front court being a place of luxury in terms of depth, it's all relative. Because for most other teams in the ACC, it'd be a bottom three front court in the conference, maybe, bottom five. And instead, it looks like the best aspect of the Syracuse team because the guards just have nothing beyond those two guys. So, Drew, I ask you this. Now that these injuries have come out, Matt Moyer is still playing, but he's a bit banged up. What player on the Syracuse roster has to step up the most? (laughs) I guess it's got to be Frank Howard. Frank Howard has to be the leader that we expected him to be coming into this season, or maybe the leader that we kind of hoped for when we saw him play well in the non-conference slate. Tyus Battle is what he is. He'll get you 20 points. He'll probably not do a whole lot else, but he's going to be your number one option, and he'll play all 40 minutes, and he won't complain about it. Frank Howard, on the other hand, is is the guy that I think is more liable to get in foul trouble. But so now, up and down, too. Right, exactly. And, and Howard Washington plays his position. If Howard Washington was going to come off the bench and replace one of these two guys, it would be Howard. And Howard, I think, is a little bit more liable to having a bad stretch where he turns it over a few times in a span of just a few possessions, or he picks up a couple stupid fouls, or he takes a jump shot, and Jim Beheim thinks it's 2016, so he yanks Frank Howard immediately. There are more chances for Howard, I think, to to make Bayheim pull him from the game. And now Howard just can't make those silly mistakes because there is no option. And if he starts to go off the rails, nobody's going to pull him back. Yeah, and Frank Howard's always been the guy, Drew. Who is he? That's what Syracuse fans have wondered this whole season. To start the year, things looked pretty good. Then he started turning the ball over too much, still does that. And now he sort of feels like a liability where at one point in the season – It was like, wow, we've got the good Frank Howard, the Frank Howard that should be here in his junior year. So I'm interested to see what happens with him with more pressure on his shoulders. I don't really feel like it's going to be anything great, but a guy I'm watching is O'Shea Brissett because, and now frankly, one of those three, right? Battle, Brissett, 
Howard. And and it doesn't really seem to make sense to say they have to step up because they have stepped exactly. up. Exactly. In theory, it should be somebody else who helps them. But I think, do you think we're not bringing those other people up because right. we feel like they can't do it? Yeah, totally. Totally. That's the reason why. I mean, Pascal Chukwu, once in a blue moon, will dunk five times and get to double figures, and everyone will say, oh, Pascal Chukwu, here he comes. Nope. Brahma Sidibe, Sidibe, can't even say his name at this However point in the season. It. But he had that incredible game just the other day, and now it feels like it was a flash in the pan because he comes out against GT and does almost nothing. Well, isn't that the story of this whole season right. for Syracuse? Right. Like, Some of these all around. The top three guys have a little bit of inconsistency, but compared to the other guys on the roster, I mean, they are Michael Benajay in terms of consistency. Well, just think about the last three games, right? You play Boston College— and you look pretty good if you're Syracuse. That was the game where everyone's watching like, my goodness, there's offense on the court. Yep. People are making shots. The Orange is scoring a lot of points. Then you play Pittsburgh, an incredibly ugly game. Not fun to watch at all. And then you do it again yeah, against so. Georgia Tech, another team that you should beat that's in the bottom of the ACC. But... At this point, you just have to accept that Syracuse is in the bottom of the ACC, and that's just how it's going to be. Right. I mean, if you were going to give Pittsburgh, what grade would you give the offense in the game against Pittsburgh? I mean... The second one. D, D plus. D plus. I would say F. Yeah. I would give them a straight-up F because Pittsburgh's not good. So you give them an F, and then you go down, you play Georgia Tech, and you break the scale. You just... You, right. What are you going to get in that game? A G? An incomplete? You didn't show up for class? <laughs> Because they, they are somehow they somehow manage to be worse offensively progressively throughout the season. You'll get bad game, bad game, bad game, or I should say bad game, worst game, worst game, really just lowering the bar from its previous standard. Then you'll get a decent game like the one against Boston College. But my question for you, Hop, is is that decent game against Boston College anywhere near good enough to beat an upper echelon team in the ACC? You've got Virginia and you've got Louisville in these next yeah, two games. Yeah, probably not. No, and it's, it's not. at home against a Boston College team that struggles on the road. Yeah. So you've got to account that. And when you look at it, it wasn't all that impressive considering those things. This is not a Syracuse team who is going to go on the road and make any noise. I don't see Syracuse winning a single road game for the rest of the year. I really don't. Ooh. This is not a road team. The only winnable road game you have left is at Boston College in the final week of the season. Right. Other than that, I really don't see where that road win is going to come from. I mean, you made a, a little reaction there. Do you agree with that? I mean, you're looking at the schedule. I, I have the schedule here up on, uh, up on KenPom.com, my favorite website. But, no, you're right. You're right. The only game where you can realistically expect Syracuse to win on the road is at Boston College. And even then... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that BC is worse than Georgia Tech and worse than Wake Forest, and you lose to both those teams on the road. Um, so, yeah, I would say you're probably spot on with that prediction. And so if, if that's the case, how many road wins does this team have all season? One. One in conference play, or one overall. One overall against Georgetown, and then plus, plus the one against Pittsburgh, but I almost don't even count that. So two right. overall – one in non-con, <laughs> one in conference. You really don't count it. I, um, I you honestly, really forgot about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I literally forgot about that win because it just it, it's almost it's almost inconsequential. And I think the committee, a lot of the times I, I think people overanalyze this stuff because the committee has three hundred and fifty one teams to look at in theory, realistically more like hundred and fifty. They can't go game by game and evaluate every single one. That's why I didn't think it was a big deal that Wake Forest was missing its best player and Notre Dame was missing its best two players. 
But when you have a win like that Pittsburgh game, that's going to show up in the numbers as one that really just does not tip the scales at all. This is Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Jonathan Hoppy and Drew Carter with you. Going through Syracuse basketball, we're up here until the 10 o'clock hour on the score. A lot more coming as we wrap up this Syracuse basketball talk here in our first segment. I think the thing is, Drew, people think that this team is just going to magically turn the corner on offense. Are you comfortable now at this point in the season, about halfway through ACC play, that we know what this team is offensively? and it's not going to get any better? Yeah, I think you have to say that at this point. I think now that we're, I mean, you said we're halfway through ACC play, but we're more than two-thirds of the way through the entire season. Frank Howard is what he is at this point. I think if he's going to really take a big leap forward, it's going to need an offseason. He's going to have to take a lot of time uh, and really figure out how to not turn the ball over, how to be a little bit more efficient scoring the basketball. For Tyus Battle, I think he is what he is at this point, and Tyus Battle is great, but as the number one option on a team in the ACC, I don't know if he's good enough to kind of be that rising tide that lifts all boats, and there are bad boats alongside him at that. And then O'Shea Brissett, he he shows flashes too, just like we were talking about with uh, Sidibe and Chukwu, but Brissett, that'll come out, and he will completely lay an egg he'll go three of 15 from the field and he's a freshman not inside the ESPN top 100 which you would expect but it kind of felt like Syracuse fans put a lot on his shoulders when Brissett had those back-to-back 25 point games and we were kind of saying that it's ridiculous that he wasn't ranked inside the top 100 this is a top 25 guy in his class he's so athletic he's so skilled I think our expectations got a little bit too high now we know what O'Shea Brissett really is once every five or so games, you're going to get a great performance. But against a good ACC team, it might not be enough. Might not be enough. I would say so, too. It's probably not going to be enough. And if you look at this schedule for Syracuse, it's tough. The rest of this season, it's a gauntlet. when you look at ACC play, the only games against bottom half of league teams, Boston College, and then you've got one more in there against Wake Forest, which is a home game. So you look at that Wake Forest game and think the Orange will probably be favored there. That's a game Syracuse should win Sunday afternoon home game. And favored against NC State at home, most likely. Right. NC State's pretty good. Right, that's still an upper half of the ACC team. And then you look at the rest of the schedule, it's just tough. Yeah. So when you're looking at wins, that game against Georgia Tech was one you so badly needed to set the tempo and get to four wins in a row. Because you know how this stuff works, right? And if we're thinking it, the players have to be thinking it. With the Georgia Tech loss, you forget about those three consecutive wins you had. You just think about you went on the road to Georgia Tech, a game you could have won, and really laid an egg like they've done all season. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the talk this weekend isn't four in a row for Syracuse. Can they continue this momentum into Virginia later today? But it's that Georgia Tech game was very ugly. It was extremely ugly, and I think any committee member who watches Syracuse at any point this season is probably going to walk away with a pretty bad impression. Sure, who wouldn't? It's so, not fun. And, and that is it's so frustrating because last year's team, I think, at least gave you a speck of hope. They had those three top ten wins, and going into those games, you could at least believe even 1%. With this team, the ceiling is so low. The ceiling is incredibly low. It's because last year you got six guys who can score the basketball. Last year you've got guys who can shoot the three. You've got 
elite level scoring in Andrew White and John Gillen. Scoring would go was off not sometimes. the issue last exactly. year. Exactly. And and it's just infuriating to think that if you could put th- this defense and that offense together, you'd have a really good team. But instead, you have two teams that are most likely going to miss the tournament in back-to-back years, and Syracuse, as a program, just doesn't feel relevant right now. And this is one of the best defenses that Coach Bayheim's had in a while. Really, I mean, really good This defense. is a great defense. The intensity is there. The team defense in the zone is fantastic. But unfortunately, the offense is so bad that it overshadows what a good right. defense it is. And that's the reason Syracuse isn't winning. Yeah, I would argue that this is a top 10 defense in the entire nation. The zone has been incredible this year. But... <laughs> It's it's more of an indictment of the offense that they're so bad still. Yeah. Because the defense is great. You'd put the defense up against anybody, but when you factor in the offense, you know, think about this Virginia game later today, and we'll talk about that after the break, but it's a winnable game because Syracuse plays such good defense. Now, this is a great Virginia team. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to disagree that it's winnable. You can put that on the record. There, there is no chance Syracuse wins this game. All right. None. Sounds like a great topic for after the break here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. We'll talk about Virginia. We'll talk about Louisville, a little more SU basketball, and then we've got some recruiting updates for Syracuse football, all that and more here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy joined by Drew Carter. Virginia and Syracuse later today in the Carrier Dome, 4 o'clock start time. I just said this game is winnable. Drew, you totally disagree. Tell me why. Completely, Hoppy. How many points do you think Syracuse scores in this game? I'll set the over-under at 40. Think about that last game against Virginia, though. Away. Syracuse looked decent. Put up some points. Defense played well. That's not really a game that they ever, people thought they were going to win, but they were in the same neighborhood. Here's where I disagree with you. Syracuse puts up 61 points, loses by 7 at Virginia. Based on that and based on the dichotomy between how Syracuse plays at home and on the road, you would think that SU will probably win this game if they only lose by 7 away from the Dome. Those, <laughs> that final score is so misleading. Remember what happened in the last two minutes of that game? Jim Beheim hit the disaster button, which means the press button. And Virginia couldn't handle it. Well, things got out of hand towards exactly. the end of the second half, but for the most of the game... It was garbage time. It was garbage time. Virginia was never in doubt of winning that game because Syracuse, they put on I the press... I don't disagree with that. They, they put on the press when they were down by, what was it, 12 or 13 with about two minutes left to play. It was, it was too little too late, and the final score looks good, but in reality, that was all cosmetic. There was no way SU was going to win that game. They put the press on, and Jim Beheim has shown us consistently that he's not going to use the press for the entire game. If Syracuse did that, I would give it a fighting chance in this game, maybe like 5% of winning. But because Beheim seems like he's not going to do that, I will put it at zero. I will put the reality of Syracuse beating Virginia at a zero hop. Mark that because it's not going to happen, and we can play it back next week. If, if Syracuse does win this game... Tweet at us, at Orange Fizz. Tell me what you want Drew to do because I said that Virginia is 100% going to win this game. They're one of the best teams in the country, and Syracuse's offense just is garbage. Just complete garbage. This this right here, have you ever heard of somebody saying it is an unstoppable <laughs> force against an immovable object? Sure. When a really good offense plays a great defense. How about this? It's an immovable object on one side. It is something in neutral on the other side. This this is a car that's broken down. This Syracuse offense is a 1991 Toyota Corolla that's got 300,000 miles on it. 
and just sputters every time you try to turn it on. This Virginia defense is a brick wall. A brick wall. And there's no way that this Corolla is going to get through the wall. Syracuse scores like 30 points and Virginia wins. Just completely suffocates them. You can find him on Twitter at Drudel25. Let him know what you think because I don't totally disagree. Am I wrong? No, I don't Am think. Am I wrong? I don't think people listening are going to disagree with you. But I think some people out there hopefully are on my side that Syracuse does have a small chance to win this game. If Syracuse upset Virginia later today inside the Carrier Dome, I wouldn't be that shocked. Wow. Well, then nothing shocks you. If if the president walked through that door right now, would you be shocked? Yes. Because your shock, your shock tolerance is super high, clearly. There are certain matchups where SU struggles. And this one against Virginia isn't really one where I think Syracuse is just going to get run out of the dome. I don't think they're going to win. Let me say that. I don't, I'm not picking Syracuse, but I think it's going to be a closer game than many expect. I think this is a decent matchup for the Orange. If by close you mean it is 50 to 40? I think it'll be sure. much like the last game against Virginia. I really do. And I agree. Syracuse was never winning that game, right? They were never going to win. But in the first half and a little bit of the second half, Virginia had single-digit stiff form, you know, right on the edge of double digits. And that's something that if something weird happens, you can win the game. Right. But the thing, the weird thing that has to happen is Syracuse has to go to the press because Virginia seems like it can't break it. But here's the thing. You say a single-digit or towing the line between single and double-digit lead for this trash Syracuse offense against this Virginia defense, which for my money is the best in the last 15 years. A single-digit lead might as well be 50. I agree, and Syracuse put up 61 against them. Say all you want about garbage time, but 61 was, against Virginia. What do you mean? They say, don't allow 61 what do you points. Mean? They what do gave you mean? up 35 points to a conference opponent. Yeah. 35. Exactly. Syracuse almost doubled that. So what do you think? Do you think that was a fluke for Syracuse and a fluke for Virginia, or do you think that's going to happen again? I don't know. I think, I think something worked in that game. Where does Virginia's defense rank? In, in the nation, not just ACC. It's in the, the nation. best defense. Number one, where does Syracuse's offense rank in the ACC? 230-something. Yeah. In the ACC, second from the bottom, I would say. In front of maybe in front of Pittsburgh, for sure. Maybe Georgia Tech on a good day. This is the single best defense we've seen maybe in our lifetimes. I agree. And, and if you think that's an exaggeration, go look at the numbers. This defense is ridiculous. And the Syracuse offense is probably the worst from SU I have seen in my lifetime. Maybe. They you, can't score the ball. You'd be a fool to pick Syracuse. And the numbers don't add up to anything that I'm saying. It's just a gut feeling that I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the game late. Okay. I, so do you think this is going to be a 30-point loss? Virginia doesn't really beat teams by 30 points. But you know what? That might actually not be fair to them because their offense is really good this year as well. It but is. The, the only reason, the only way I could see Syracuse winning this game is if it plays out like this. UVA loves to slow the tempo down. And if you slow the tempo down, you're more susceptible to an upset because there are fewer possessions for the better team to separate itself. It's a core tenet of what I believe about basketball. If you play 100 possessions in a game, that's 100 chances for the better, more talented team to build a lead and pull away from the inferior team. But if you play 60 possessions, that inferior team only has to to be even or outplay you for those possessions. And maybe you don't see that break-even point come at possession 70 or possession 80 or possession 90. So for Virginia, slowing it down 
probably isn't the right way to go about playing a trash team like Syracuse compared to Virginia. I mean, Virginia is much better. There's no doubt about that on paper and on the court. But when you play a slow game like that, crazy things can happen. That's the only way I see Syracuse winning this game is it is slow as molasses. You get to the last two minutes. It's a four or five point game. Orange brings the press and pulls off the miraculous upset. I just don't think that's going to happen. I just think UVA is too good. Very good team. There's no denying that, Drew. Virginia, probably one of the best defenses of this century. Yeah. I mean, especially of our lifetimes. It's fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to watching it. I know you're going to be inside the Carrier Dome. Hopefully for your sake, it's an entertaining game, and hopefully for everyone's sake, it's an entertaining game. And I think Syracuse has a small chance. Drew thinks there is negative percent chance, if that was even a possibility. Moving on to the next opponent on Monday, a quick back-to-back two games and three days sequence here for Syracuse at Louisville. First thing that stands out to me, it's a road game, and while the whole Cardinals situation with Rick Pitino and everything has been looming for them this season, they've done pretty well. They've Six and three in ACC play. They're a top team in the league. What do you expect to see in that game for Syracuse? Well, it's on the road, so it's a loss. Pretty much end of conversation. I mean, we have seen Syracuse be unable to beat pretty bad ACC teams on the road, as we've alluded to a couple of times. Wake Forest without its best player. Georgia Tech a couple of days ago. I don't see how SU scores against this Louisville team, because even though Patino was gone, and I would say after Bennett at UVA, Patino was the best defensive coach in the ACC and maybe the entire country. Because you watch these Louisville teams, and it's extremely impressive how they can alternate between schemes they'll bring the press they'll bring a matchup zone they'll bring a straight man-to-man they'll bring a half-court press they'll run a 2-2-1 the way Patino coaches his guys was was really something to marvel at and now it seems like with Paget at the helm they haven't really changed anything the defense is still stifling 15th in the country according to KenPom.com plus an offense plus an offense that is much much better than Syracuse's SU goes on the road to Louisville Maybe the Cardinals aren't what they were a few years ago when they won the championship. Maybe not even what they were last year. But they are a heck of a lot better than SU on a neutral floor. And the Orange is one of the worst road teams in the ACC. There's no way they win this game either. Yeah, that's a big Monday game on ESPN. And I'd say there's less of a chance that Syracuse wins that game than the Virginia game. I think there's no way. And the biggest reason for that is it's a road game. It's that simple. One of the first things that you said about the matchup and I completely agree. On the road, this team, and, and that's something we should talk about. It just popped up in my mind. Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball. Yeah. They just can't win on the road. <laughs> they just can't do it. What is so hard about that? I, I don't know. I don't know. And there was a time during the football season where I dropped kind of a hot take. And I feel like a hot take artist right now saying there is a 0% chance that Syracuse beats Virginia. But I'm usually pretty even-keeled when it comes to my sports takes. Not today. You're, you're Not pretty to- fired up. Today, yeah. Today I'm a firecracker. But okay. during the football season, a similar day came around. Maybe maybe I got slighted or something. Maybe I was upset with the cold weather. I'm not sure. But I came out and I said, the Carrier Dome is the single best home field advantage in all of college football in terms of the difference between how Syracuse plays at home and how Syracuse plays on the road. And looking back on it, that's probably not the case because, again, my argument wasn't that it's harder to play in the Dome than it is to play at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. My argument was just that 
the Orange looks like a different team at home than it does on the road. And it's the same thing with basketball. I mean, this this home court or home field advantage in the Dome is is really amazing because we kind of see what this team really is when it leaves the Dome and has to go play on the road. I don't know what the explanation is, maybe, but it's got to be something about shooting on your own rims. The Dome kind of gives you a weird sight line if you're playing basketball. <laughs> in, in football, it gets louder than it, than it probably should be. In football, it's be. just unusual. It's just, it, it's, I mean, it's unusual in both sports, but... It's kind of something that's not really easy to explain, but it exists. There's no denying it. If you go back to last season with Dino Baber's first football year, one road win against UConn. Basketball, a large reason they didn't make the tournament last year is because they couldn't win away from the Carrier Dome. And then you look at it this year, Syracuse once again struggles on the road. Did they Did they get one? I don't think they got one this year, right? No In road football. wins. We'll double-check that, but no wins for Syracuse football on the road. you got to leave it, but I'm almost 1,000% positive because you know what else Syracuse football hasn't done? Won a game after the bye. Yeah. But that's a conversation yeah, we're not for in the offseason here when we're, when we're getting up for Syracuse football. And it's interesting to see, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out in terms of if they can get some road wins. I think if they don't get a big road win, probably not going to make the tournament. To me, that's, that's what oh. I think. Oh, I totally agree. Here's the thing about this week, and by the way, you were right. No, no road wins for Syracuse football this year. 0-5 away wah, from the Dome. Wah, wah. Yeah, yeah, pretty disgusting to look at. But the thing with this Georgia Tech loss that kind of boggles my mind is people are coming out and saying, oh, well, now they're not going to make the tournament. They didn't beat Georgia Tech on the road. Where have you been for the last few weeks? Syracuse was not making the tournament regardless. They could have won this game at Georgia Tech. Still wouldn't have made it. They're not fooling anybody. In order to make the tournament for Syracuse, I think they got to get to 20 wins. That wasn't going to happen anyway. Moving right along here on Fizz Radio, just about halfway done with the show, and we've got more to talk about Syracuse football recruiting, and then we'll get your voice heard. Fizz Feedback, that's going to be our last segment. For Drew Carter, Jonathan Hoppy. we'll be right back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio, Drew Carter, I'm Jonathan Hoppy. Let's take a break from SU basketball because I think everyone's getting a headache from what we've been talking about. Let's go to SU football, some recruiting news, and Syracuse trying to beef up its recruiting class, National Signing Day, coming up here next week. Sneaking up pretty quick. Of course, you can follow us at Twitter and Facebook at Orange Fizz and on the web at orangefizz.net. We'll have all the coverage of the second National Signing Day of course, with the early signing day period, a bit different now, Drew. Most of the guys have already picked a school and signed that dotted line. Yeah, the first one was a treat. One of the best days of the year, especially for us. We call it Fizmas. Now we get two Fizmases. Uh, it's like it's like we have uh, divorced parents, and we get we get two Fizmases instead of just one. It's great. Double the presents. Exactly. Here so, on Orange Fizz. So the the unfortunate thing is that you know it was kind of fun in previous years when every single guy would sign on one day. It kind of made it more more hectic and more rewarding at the end of the day, but 
we still got a lot of that in the early signing period, and now we have a lot of guys who were we don't really know where they're going uh, come come this February signing day. You look at Tyrone Sampson, maybe he comes back to Syracuse. Yeah, you look that's at a guy the biggest like, storyline. You look at a guy like Jawar Jordan, whose Twitter handle is Cuts on Dime, and he certainly does. He was a very exciting prospect. And now given the, the couple of running backs who have now transferred or committed to Syracuse, I would guess he's not coming here, but still a lot of excitement in store for National Signing Day. No doubt about that. Let's take a quick look into the future, though, Drew. I got a chance to talk to a, a recruit. Porter Rooks from Charlotte, five-star 2020 guy. And this guy has gotten offers from the biggest of schools. He, he's one of the best receivers in his class. Yeah. So Syracuse offered early in the season, early in the week, I should say, a few days ago. Guess what happened to him later in the week after Syracuse offered? Georgia offered him? Well, or Urban Meyer came to school. I've heard of him. And Urban Meyer showed up and had lunch and gave him an offer. And then two Dropped days bag, later – Kirby Smart showed up to his school on a helicopter. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, that's kind of crazy. Like, that just shows you how much money is involved with college football. Because that football program does so well for Georgia. Yeah. Makes their school as a whole so much better. He can afford to go to the airport on a private jet and then transfer over to a helicopter that can make a 45-minute drive seven minutes. Right. But a good thing, it's good that the players don't get paid, though. It's good that the players don't get paid. Anyway. Something like that. What I'm trying to say here is we talked to him and said, what are your thoughts on the Syracuse football program? Yeah. Because Georgia, Penn State, Ohio State, Alabama, all those schools, they speak for themselves. But what's your thought on Syracuse? And what he said was, you know, it's a pretty solid offer. Mm -hmm. And they like to throw the ball around a bit. And I'd like to see what they have to offer. Which is a very genuine quote, I thought, from him. He's being honest. I don't know too much about them, but I know they have a fast offense that throws the ball, and I would get a lot of opportunities. That's what I took away from it. But at the end of the day, it's still not even close, and that goes without saying. Right. I mean, he's most likely not going to commit to Syracuse, and we don't want anyone to get any false ideas about what we're saying. We're not predicting that that Porter Rooks comes to SU. No, he is not coming here. But the greater point is that at least SU is kind of in the running here. It, it, it goes in stages. A couple of years ago, if SU got a four-star recruit, you were in shock. Now that's not really the case. You've got Kadir White coming in 2018. Tyrone Sampson, I know he didn't sign uh, in the early signing period, but at least he gave you the verbal commitment. A couple four-star guys in that class. Ed Hendricks, the wide receiver, is rated as four-star a couple different places. Now four-star recruits are becoming the norm for Syracuse, and maybe five stars down the line. But Another point, another another aspect of this is especially for wide receivers, it is an easy sales pitch for Dino Babers to make. Look at the guys I've turned into studs. Look at Ahmed Atawo, who during his time at Maryland did nothing. He was completely anonymous. Comes to Syracuse, puts up the best season in program history. Steve Ishmael, out of Miami, three-star recruit. He comes here. He does almost nothing for his first few years. Finally gets a chance to be the number one option in a Dino Babers offense. Puts up mind-boggling stats. Who's it going to be next year? We can't predict it because it doesn't have to be a highly touted type of guy who can put up big numbers. You put a five-star recruit in this offense, we're talking 1,600, 1,700-yard potential, 16, 17 touchdowns. They could go off, they could light it up, and they could be a first-round pick. Here's the thing, too. Looking ahead, we talk about the future of SU football. That's a 2020 recruit. That's someone who is going to be playing for Syracuse, not this upcoming season, not the one after that, 
but the one after that. Yeah. And so when you think, well, Syracuse can't compete, they can't compete right now. But they have to at least try. Yeah. Because think about it. All the talent for the football season, three years from now, three seasons from now, is being heavily recruited as we speak. Right. So if you're Syracuse, you can't fall too hard, too much behind. But it's what I think about the Clemson win gives Syracuse some legitimacy. you got to capitalize right now. You have to try because instead of a five-star saying, wow, Syracuse does not deserve to be in this conversation, they at least think, oh, Syracuse beat Clemson, probably headed in the right direction, still don't probably think too much of it, and I'm just saying what I think here. Yeah, and, and also consider, I mean, if you put yourself in the recruit's shoes, imagine that you are tall, fast, and a five-star recruit hop for a second. I know that's far from the truth, but imagine it. For, <laughs> just, just imagine it. Hey, they don't know that. They say you never forget your first. And for a guy who who is – I know he's going to have a ton of offers by the time it's all said and done, by the time he is signing that dotted line. But for now, that's got to make him feel pretty good. Hey, this team wants me three years until I play a, a game in college and this team is already pursuing me. Got to right. hold a special place in his heart. Even if he doesn't end up coming here, it's got to mean a lot. No, for sure. The problem is, though – all those other teams capitalizing around the same time, and Syracuse just doesn't have near as much recognition. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe one day. But building. Okay, when we come back, we'll wrap it all up, put a bow on this show. Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Don't go anywhere. Last segment here on Fizz Radio with Drew Carter. I'm Jonathan Hoppy. Drew, we've got some Fizz feedback to get to. But before we do that, a quick update on an SU football coaching situation. Yeah, major news coming to us from Kevin Cooper. He broke this a couple of days ago, and broke it is, is maybe generous because people have known about this for a couple of days now. But Kevin Cooper, who's from Houston, tweets this at us. Big story out of Houston, Kirk Martin is coming to the Qs. He's a quarterback's coach. As a proud SU alum and a guy that loves Texas high school football, I'm hoping this is a great marriage. If he can open the recruiting trail just from his high school, it's a shot of talent. So this guy, a quarterback's coach from Houston, comes to Central New York replacing Sean Lewis, who got the head coaching job at Kent State. And I don't think it's a coincidence, Hoppy, that Syracuse just got this guy from Houston, the quarterback's coach and the quarterback, Chance Amy, coming as one, coming as a package. And Kevin said it best. Texas might be the best state in the entire country for high school talent. If you've got a guy, if you've got a pipeline, especially, just for, thinking especially for quarterbacks. <laughs> I was that, literally just thinking that. That, that is notable. So if a big time If you've got a Texas pipeline, what more could you ask for in terms of high school football? Right. Really interesting. Check our website. We'll have more on that in our Twitter feed at OrangeFizz and OrangeFizz.net. All right, time for Fizz beat Feedback. How much does Howard Washington's injury hurt the Oranges' tournament chances? A lot, not that much. Eh, he didn't play much. 43% say a lot. 30% not that much. 27 think the fact that he didn't play that much isn't that big of a deal, and I kind of agree with that because he probably would have now. Someone responded, though, at Ian J on Twitter, what chances? So I like that. It kind of fits the theme of what we've been talking about here. Right. But at the end of the day, he's right. I mean, how big of an impact is Howard Washington going to have, or the lack of Howard Washington, I should say? Yeah, another option on that poll could have been, who cares? You know, it's not going to change anything. I think there's there's truth in all of those options. Howard Washington could have provided a little bit off the bench, but he was only going to play about 10 minutes a game on a good night when he's playing well and Howard or Battle is either in foul trouble or not playing well. But still, it just 
it just makes it so you have no backup plan. Literally, no backup plan. Those two guys are going to have to play yeah. all 40 minutes, and, and we've talked about it a lot. They already have a ton on their plate. So, yeah, eh, he didn't play a whole lot anyway, but still, it just kind of makes it more real that you have absolutely zero depth in the backcourt. All right, really quickly, Drew, last Fizz feedback, Syracuse football canceled its home-and-home home with Wisconsin for 2020 and 2021, replaced it with Rutgers. So I wanted to know, what do the fans think about that? 60% say they prefer the Rutgers matchup. 40% say they would have liked to see them play Wisconsin. What are your thoughts? I like it. I want the wins. I just want the wins. I want to get to a bowl game. You can worry about scheduling great teams later on. Give me Rutgers. Give me two Ws. Interesting. I kind of want to play Wisconsin, but... That's not an option anymore, and Fizz Radio is coming to a close. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, follow us, Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook, at Orange Fizz, and online at orangefizz.net. For Drew Carter, I'm Jonathan Hoppy. Have a great day.